So yeah, so we All get right. a right. right? <laughs> All right. So the discuss the production meetings over with the lighting crew, the director, the right. producer. I mean, nothing for nothing job, but these people are getting a little bit bossy. Yeah. You know, you know, we're inching up little by little. A couple right. more viewers, uh, a couple more um, followers and subscri uh, subscribers, which we're appreciative for every single one. The people that leave comments about how much they love Bones, they love you, they love our topics. I get that. But now, all of a sudden, everybody's getting a little bossy behind the scenes. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I liked when we just walked up here and we just talked. We turned yeah. the, this mic. Now we got to. Right. Everybody has an idea. Everybody's got an idea, and you know, it's like, and they take it personally if you say, Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll yeah, get to yeah. it. What are you gonna, because we have something in our head, and then never mind the trolls. You know, I saw, I saw an episode of Joe Rogan talking to Lex Friedman, and Lex Friedman was all like twisted out like a wet towel over the trolls, and Rogan said, Stop reading the comments yes and you know and yes. then they went into the whole thing about how the comments are hurtful and it's yeah. like well you know but and i've been guilty of that too so i shouldn't lower myself yeah. to a bunch of numb nut assholes who don't even have a channel yes i mean the only ones that can really hurt you john are people you know and love i mean strangers they say something the other day, somebody's telling me, I don't like that countdown to uh, from five. You got to do it from three. I'm like, what? Three, two, one. No, I need, like, what does that matter? Right. So let's right. do the countdown. All right. We got that. See, this is good because we had a vent. Yeah. We had to get all this production well, meeting and well, these people tell us everything. When we get better at editing, because, you know, we don't have an editor. We do whatever we do ourselves. Yeah, that's one thing we don't I, have. I would love to do the old black and white, you know, that, that. Clock hand five, four. <laughs> yeah, Remember yeah. that from the old, from yeah, the old yeah, days? Yeah. Three, two. In the middle of the night or something. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, let me do my countdown from five, okay. not three. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. One. Welcome back, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Jersey Alchemist. You know I'm your host, Dr. John Gerard Gallucci. Number one right there. No, oh, you know. <laughs> and I'm Philip D'Angelo. We couldn't do it without each other. No, no, it's, That's or, it. or without the people watching. I thought I'm, you were going to say without that camera. Over there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, without the people out there. I mean, and listen, right. we could do it without the people out there. We could. But like we said, if we get one more view, yeah. one more subscriber, I know. it makes us, you know, it makes a couple old timers feel good. Right. So, and you know what? For, for beyond the shits and giggle factor of this, mm. there's a purpose and a point to this yes. podcast, and it's to it's to blow some fucking light up your ass. Mm. It's to elevate, educate, and entertain. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Uh, what else was I gonna say? I'm trying not to lose my mind no, today. No, 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 that's right. It was a busy day. How you doing today? So far, so good. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. It was no, another. You know. You know what I did last oh. night? Ooh. Guilty as charged. What's that? I snacked late. Yeah. Like I should talk. I just uh, want to know what you snacked on, and I'll tell you if I approve. You really want to know? Well, I mean, I, you and, brought and, it up. And, and in you... spite of the fact that I drank a gallon of water, I woke up like, hmm, I don't know, like one of those dehydrated fish on the jetty down the shore. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. 
Oh, boy. Totally, and my tongue stuck to the roof of my mouth. So potato uh, chips? No. No? No. I, I snacked on, at the supermarket, they sell these prepackaged, um, it's provolone cheese <laughs> rolled up in prosciutto di parma. Well, it's probably not de Parma, but it's some yeah, yeah, it's yeah, some yeah. off-brand of, yeah. of prosciutto. And, you know, if you go for the salami or the pepperoni or the super sod, they all have nitrates in them. And oh. if you want to look at, you know, what nitrates do to your system and your body, it ain't good. Yeah. Prosciutto, hear me, people. Mm. Prosciutto is two ingredients, nothing more. It's pork and sea salt. That's it. It's pork and it's cured with sea salt. There are no nitrates in prosciutto. Wow, and I didn't know that. Yeah, but, but there is salt in the cheese, you know, and you know, none of it was organic. And I think each packet comes with, I think, 10 rolls. <laughs> but that wasn't good enough for me. Oh. So I had a pound and a half of freshly cut boar's head monster cheese what do you have a slicer in your kitchen no i just had gotten it at the store right wow. and so i took each of those prosciutto and provolone rolls and i rolled it up in a nice big fat what you uh, double cheese i double cheesed it Son of i a... double cheesed it so i had 10 prosciutto over provolone then wrapped in a nice big fat juicy uh piece of boar's head monster wow, cheese wow, wow, wow. and it went down like like wow and you know and i went at that like i hadn't eaten in a fucking week but you had dinner of course <laughs> now, i don't usually do this i know yeah, better yeah, yeah that, i've heard that line before. and then the extra big bottle of water had to follow it and you know i guess i felt what like was, a, a beached whale john what was the time frame between dinner and the snacking The end of dinner or the beginning of dinner? Oh, no, the like, end of dinner. Yeah, yeah. Like there was a gap or was it, you know, like five hours. All right. So, yeah. So, listen, you have to eat something healthy. You have to have healthy food available for you. Otherwise, those gremlins, like, did you go to bed and the gremlins called you? Or, no, uh, I was I was up um, uploading videos and okay. practicing edi editing because yeah. we're still not where we need to be with the editing but we're getting closer but but i've seen your house you have a lot of healthy food there organic I, well i do yeah, I do, so yeah. why not grab something healthy it just that wouldn't have done the trick prosciutto around <laughs> cheese seemed healthy last night isn't it well, listen, there, no. let's put it this way. There are worse things you could have eaten. Now my fucking gut is hanging way over, you know, you get way over, like, my my belt. Way. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what's anyway. the lesson? So I hope you followed up today with a strong nutrition breakfast. I didn't have any breakfast. I had, okay. I had, um, I had coffee. Okay. Right. And I uh, didn't put cream in it. Okay. All right. That, yes. Why? Because I finished it, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't there. You it and I down. saw Dr. Gundry, the guy you can't get away from. Hi, I'm Dr. Gundry, one of the foremost cardiac surgeons in the United States. And I went to Yale, and I went there, and I was at Loma Linda, and he's got, like, all of these trap videos where it's kind of like clickbait. He knows just how to catch you, and you watch the first two minutes of the video, and now he's leading you on, and 45 or 50 or 60 minutes later, you're still watching him, you know, and you're like, 
okay, now what? Wow. Now, now do I have to buy his olive oil? Do wow. I have to buy his product? That kind of thing. Look, I appreciate the guy, but I really should know better not to get caught up in a Dr. Gundry video. I think he's terrific, but I've been caught too many times in that trap. John, yeah, <laughs> nutrition and, and, and for some reason, we're foodies. Uh, yeah. We've always had that in common. It's in our genes. Maybe it's the Italian thing. It I mean, is. you know, it is. It food is. is artwork. Yeah. So we, we just love to consume. I mean, it's gluttonous. It's a first world problem. But uh, you have to somehow control it. Not that I can. I struggle with this addiction. I call food an addiction. You know, I struggle with this for a lot of years. You know. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It reminds me of that whole segment of The Sopranos, don't ask me what season it was, where Tony and the boys go to, to Italy to pick up, I think, uh, Furio. Mm. You know, they're going to take a member from over there and make him a member of uh, Tony's crew in Jersey. Mm. And they go there, remember, to the restaurant, and Paulie's like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Don't you have any macaroni and meatballs? Uh, and they're yeah. talking behind his back in Italian like, <laughs> This fucking pig. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. wonder, yeah. I wonder whether those people are... They eat different from us. As gluttonous as we. I don't think so. I don't think the Europeans are... Uh, I think it's an American thing. You know, we've done a, an episode on obesity in children. Yeah. And obesity in general. Yeah. Uh, we covered that topic. And I think it's a re I think it's an America problem. We have so much here. You know, that the second we're out of something, right. we're like, oh, uh, how is that acceptable? You know, right. Mm. But, oh, what are we going to do? I don't know. So what right. do you want to do? You want to. I think today, uh, as per our pre-production meeting, we're yeah. going to spin the wheel All of right. fate and, and destiny and destiny. So let's do it right now. All right. Give it a good, oh, a good whirl. Oh, Phil. Come on. I'm ready. Give it a whirl. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. That's a nice spin. Yeah, that's a nice spin. That's a good one. That's a nice spin. Oh, wow. 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 Whoa. I love wow. the wheel of there fate and destiny. There you go. That is a good one. Betrayal. Betrayal. Dump, dump, dump. Wow. Betrayal. Wow. Mm. Wow. I don't know where to start with this word, well, John. Betrayal. I know where to start. Speaking of Italians and Italian food. Oh, boy. Who? Betrayal seems to be part and parcel to the landmass that once was the Roman Empire, that then in the 1800s coalesced with the colonies to become the country that we know as Italy. I think I think it's in the genes of Italians to be uh, to betray one another. You can't if you're an Italian, you can't betray an Israeli or an Irishman or an African-American, you betray your own. Mm. And Italians are experts at that. Well, let's look at the uh, the Godfather, right? When they, uh, Godfather 2, when the black hand, right? <laughs> the black hand, I mean, but it was it was an actor, accurate portrayal. Right. They took advantage of the Italians that were just coming over. Of course they, they weren't did. going to pick on the Irish, right. the Jews down the street. No. 
anybody right. else. No, no, we'll pick on our own people. So in essence, that's showing you even for decades, yeah. hundreds of years, we've been betraying our own. Well, look, let's call a spade Don a spade Fanuch. here. Let's call a spade a spade. And I don't want to hear about no pun intended shit. Yeah. Who sold who sold um, Africans into the slave trade? Other Africans. Oh, yeah. That's who a betrayal. Takes, who takes the, the, the desperate Chinese dirt poor people to other lands to to enslave them and to pimp them out other chinese people betrayal yeah it's yeah. you might say well you know uh, yeah. they're organized crime figure figures in their own right yeah so betrayal it's nothing new oh. it's been around a long time a2 brute oh yes yes right? I mean, so, I mean, let's go into a little modern example. I mean, relationship betrayal. Wow. Having nothing to do with the Italian lineage. That's right. I mean, right. how about, you know, a relationship, whether it's uh, a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, a family member, uh, you know, a, a cousin, a brother, you know, your kids. I mean, there's a, I mean, that's the betrayal that hurts. That's where you feel like that that knife is right through the heart. Yeah. I mean, come on. There's from there's, the back. From the back, <laughs> yeah. Sticking out, you're like, whoa, what's that? From the back. You know. I yeah. mean, that's really bad. You know. How about uh, with a business partner? All right. So now you're in bed with a business partner. You sign contracts. Do you sleep with your business partners. Do I sleep with them? You just said you're in bed with them. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, in oh, bed oh, as far oh, as doing oh, business together. Well, no, I no, misunderstood no. you. I don't. Yeah, I apologize for that. I should have said that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't. I don't sleep with my business partners. I don't right. even have any business partners. But yeah. if I did and they betrayed me, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. I mean, that's where it hits you like a ton of bricks. I had an uncle. Here come the stories, gang. Mm. I had an uncle. And think about episodes of betrayal in your life. Maybe it didn't happen to you, but maybe it happened to close family members. One of my uncles had uh, a business venture going, had something to do with a truckload of something that should have gone there, but it went there. Okay. And uh, his. His immediate business partner betrayed him, wow. which led to a cascade of events, and he died. Mm. Mysteriously died. He passed. Mm. Wasn't in his sleep. Wow. <laughs> right. Wow. That's, that's really consequential betrayal yeah. beyond just feeling metaphorically stabbed. That's, that's, that is really Brutus and Caesar betrayal, you know. John, what, what's the best way to react when somebody close to you betrays you? When you first find out, is it, should you be angry? Should you maybe lay low, be a little smarter, figure out how you're going to handle? What's the best way to react to a betrayal? Well, there's certainly, you know, more than one way to react. Um, or act instead of react or, or non-action. But I think a lot of it has to do with two things. Did you suspect it all along, right? Right? Versus you getting cold cocked and you're completely gobsmacked because you had no idea. It would have been the last thing in the world that you would have bet on. So it's 
it's whether you suspected it or not. And, um, oh God, the other thing. Mm. Is anger one of them, John? Is anger the proper response? Well, I, I think that there's, there's reasonable expected anger. And then there's anger that's over the top that like, I believe it was Gautama Buddha who said, you know, if you want to, you know, get revenge, if you go, if revenge is your game, dig two holes, right? We've said that before. Dig two holes, one for your, for your detractor, one for the person that's attacking you. You can bury him and then dig the second hole because you'll end up in a grave right next to that person. Mm. So, um, yeah, let me check to see if I, there was two ways of thinking about revenge. Did you see it coming? And, and maybe, maybe I was going to say just how consequential was it? And was it, you know, a really close, trusted family member? Or was it somebody on the periphery? Because if it's somebody beyond the periphery, I think we've suggested this before. You've got to be a fucking idiot to be offended or to be stabbed or to be emotionally, uh, you know, emotional damage. You, you got to be a fool to be emotionally damaged if a stranger betrays you. That just means you got your head up your ass. John, an example. Can you answer a couple questions I have for you? Yes, officer. <laughs> Overseer. <laughs> um, the, the Bible has a story, many stories. How many apostles were there that followed Jesus? Well, as far as I know, it was 12. That would be correct. But, the, but there were disciples here. Was, was one apostle named Judas? Yes. I mean, talk about the ultimate betrayal. Well, that was the ultimate example, yeah, I, I would mean, say. Sure. So betrayal is nothing new. I mean, here's that, I mean, the ultimate, right. I mean, here it is in the Bible. Uh, if you believe in, the, in, in God, I mean, here's a story tens of thousands of years old, and, and it describes well, I, yeah, betrayal. Well, I think that particular story was a little over 2,000 years old, right? But thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for the correction. Thank well, the we correction. don't want to... You know, no, no, listen, but listen, there are stories of betrayal that go all the way back. I can't recant them offhand right now, but... So how about, you know. John, was there a, a character um, in history uh, called Benedict Arnold? Oh, yeah, but... Mm, a but little it, bit of betrayal there? But, you know, here's the interesting part. Betrayal... Didn't we have a friend we used to call Benedict? Or we used to, or in high school, we used to call somebody Benedict? Well, I think, yeah. Yeah. Benedict or was it anybody who, who, who moved yeah, against he, us? And it was all from the honeymooners. That's right. Yeah. Benedict <laughs> Arnold, right. Yeah, but, so, I mean, look at that story. But betrayal really requires two parties and perspective. Why do I say that? Because when I lived in Montreal, we went to a place called the McCord Museum. And they had these, you know, big battlefield reenactments and stuff and the placard that you would read all about the battle and... You know who the fucking hero of the day is in the, above the, the border? Who? PA, Benedict Arnold. Really? Oh, yeah. He was, a, he was uh, you know, he betrayed the, you know, I guess the, the revolutionaries. Sure, sure. You know, but not, not the Brits. And let's face it, who's closer to the Queen than, than the Canadians and the Australians? Probably nobody other than the Brits themselves. 
Wow. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the Scottish and the Irish have no use for the Queen. Oh. And quite frankly, neither do I. As a matter of fact, I suspect the old bird is La Mort. I think she's dead. They're just not telling you. Forget about the Jubilee. It was a hoax. I don't even think she showed up. Wow. Or they got CGI or some imposter. I think the Queen has moved on. John, would you consider betrayal to be a character flaw? I mean, think of the two the two examples we just talked about, Judas, Benedict Arnold. It might just be a, 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 a chink in somebody's, uh, you know, overall character. We're not getting racist here, are we? No, 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 no. Oh, oh, okay, I just want to be sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, just, you know. Well, okay. These are people that's that... A, that's an interesting question, right? So, character flaw. I would expect a character flaw, and I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but a character flaw is something that you would expect to repeat itself. So an observer is going to say, hey, you know, that Bobby, that guy, you know, everybody he's around, this is what he does. So he can, he can be expected to act this way. To me, that's a character flaw. It's very difficult, I think, for anybody to really hide a true character flaw. What if you're leveraged? What if you're leveraged? For instance, uh, this is not part of the story, but what if Judas mm. was a gambler had, and had a gambling debt? Well, what if, what if he had a wife and three kids and he loved them more than anything and he was one of the apostles and the Pharisees dragged his wife up to the, wherever the king was, not the Roman emperor, but like Herod or, or something like that, or, or Solomon, dragged him into the stronghold, nucleus core of the Hebrew world back then, Judea, I guess. And what if he was threatened? What if they said to him, if you don't deliver us Jesus of Nazareth, your kids are going to start having accidents one by one, or your wife is going to disappear, or, you know, the guards fancy your wife. That's being leveraged. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, hey, Judas, we saw you with Kathy Ann the other night. We had an artist do a rendition of the position you were in. Yeah, yeah. This goes to your wife and your kids unless you hand Jesus over to us. Now, that's that's bringing more modern day, you know, uh, devices back over 2,000 sure. years ago. But I bet, you know, the human heart is dark. And, and the darkness of the human heart and the human condition, how could the things that happen today, they're not new. No. I'm sure people got leveraged, uh, you know, back then with all that kind of crap. So you'd rather go down, they would rather go down in history as the ultimate betrayers instead of flexing their character muscle and, and staying strong and, and doing the right thing. I understand that, that those are great examples, but the people that are great in history and great in our lives I'm sure are people that have been character tested and have gone through the tough times 
and still stood close to their. Yeah, I, I understand that a hundred percent. But I don't think you. I don't think you have to have a character flaw to be to be fingered or guilty of betraying another. I think it could actually just. It just happens. Mm. I, I don't. Yeah, I think that you. You know, and maybe some people betray other people, and they. And after the fact, I go, oh, "What was I thinking?" Mm. Like it really maybe was a mistake. Probably most times not. Yeah. But but you know, I. I think, in the history of betrayal, I think a lot of good people, ended up betraying others, and maybe they weren't aware or most likely they convinced themselves that the betrayal wasn't as formidable or wasn't as bad as it could be if they didn't act that way. Would you, would, would you, John, would you consider, I'm going to see if this is, I can connect these two. Would you consider a modern day betrayer, uh, maybe now a new name for him is whistleblower? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, now that whistleblower maybe is, he's either betraying his office. Well, there's the perspective I was talking yeah, about. Benedict yeah. Arnold's a hero in Canada, yeah. and he's, you know, he's he's uh, he's a traitor south of the border, border of the United States. Wow. Yeah, that's true. I mean, those are great points. Uh, I would not want to be known as uh, somebody with a, listen, I've got enough character flaws. I mean, but uh, let me tell you. It was perfect. Yeah, I try not to betray my family, my friends, almost to the point where even if I don't know somebody that well and I can take advantage of that person somehow, maybe in business, or I just I just won't do it. Because right. you have to live your life by a certain code. You know, what's that? What do they say? Do unto others. The golden rule. As they as you would have them do unto yeah. you. No, so, that's true. So if you're... If you're living that life, you can't betray people. You really can't. No matter how hard you're being tested, and you brought up some great uh, examples, how much you're being tested, you're going to be put to the test. Aren't we always put to the test in every day? I mean, by living your life the right way, you're always being tested. So is a terrorist a hero or a traitor? Okay. A ter well, I, a traitor because... You'd have to be, you'd have to be selling out and attacking your own side, your own factions, right? So let's say, let's say during World War II, you had one of the Nazi, whoever, person who planted the suitcase bomb in Hitler's bu bunker during the, oh, the high-level meeting that yes. they had, and apparently. It, the timing wasn't right or it didn't kill Hitler, so they say, and boy, they figured out who it was, and he got his. Mm. What was he? Was he a hero? Was he a terrorist? Wow, was great, he a traitor? He was great. a traitor to the Nazis, that's for sure. Great example, but, John. But not to the Allies. He wasn't. Maybe he had just had enough, mm. or maybe he was leveraged. Maybe the Allied you know, uh, intelligence services captured him and said, your wife's going to disappear. Oh, those two beautiful kids, you know, it would be a shame if something happened to them, right? All of a sudden, he's now he figured his life is over. His life is over, and he makes a decision. Because if he doesn't betray Hitler and kill him, if he doesn't, yeah. the intel services might knock him off. And if he pulls it off and kills Hitler in his top gaggle, maybe he saves the world from Nazism, which is still going on today.
but that's a different story. It's a different episode. That was a great example, John. So really, it depends on what side of the fence you're on with betrayal, right? Well, I think betrayal yeah. is a matter of perspective, right? Interesting. Yes. Now, if we could just squeeze it down, squeeze the grape to that last pure drop or dumb it down, um, what mm. is just pure betrayal where there's no, there's no heroism involved, right? That's the key, right? Mm. Maybe the guy that was trying to knock off Hitler, you know, it was a notion of, you know, maybe I'm going to give my life Yo. for the for the for the betterment of the world because the Nazis are, you know, they're they're they're, yeah, they're, they're murderous people who want to start, you know, the new world order. Sure. The new world order is really a Nazi construct, and how do you know? Just look at that fuckhead Klaus Schwab. All right, so um, hmm. so there would have been heroism involved there. And as far as I'm concerned, if any of these motherfuckers today that are perpetrating the New World Order from the, the, uh, the, uh, the World Economic Forum the, to, the, to the WHO, the World Health Organization, to the Council on Foreign Relations and all these bullshit, fabricated, unelected three-letter agencies that are dangling everybody... If somebody, if somebody pulled the plug on, on them, I would consider them heroes. Amen. Heroes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That's why I see Edward Snowden. And if you don't know, Edward Snowden is a fictitious name. There was a character who basically had the story of Edward Snowden, but apparently that guy that we see on YouTube that's supposed to be in Russia. Apparently, that's a fabrication. Whether it is or whether it isn't, that person that was presented as Edward Snowden, the whistleblower, is a hero in my mind. And during the 2016 Republican primary debates, that little weasel, Marco Rubio, stood up there and said, Edward Snowden should hang. For treason. No little Marco with the small hands. <laughs> right? Uh, no, you're a fucking idiot. And if you tell the world, Edward Snowden, who blew the whistle on the intel agencies collecting massive batches of data on every American citizen and on citizens all over the world, you think he should hang? Well, maybe I think that's the fate you deserve. Who are you kidding, you little piece of shit? Don't hold back, John. No, I, that, you know what? This, this, this podcast is basically my outlet because for years and years and for decades, as a pediatric surgeon, right, I held my emotions. I was as cold, cold as ice in the OR. I was always empathetic. But, but outwardly and ostensibly, I had to hold my tongue, hold my reactions. Not so much with the kids and the families. I loved them and they loved me. I'm talking about the coworkers, the colleagues that every chance they could betrayed me. Mm. Betrayal. No names named. Let's no end. institutions named. Yeah. Because I, I worked in a handful of institutions. 
So don't look at me like, oh, you're talking about so-and-so. No, you don't know who the fuck I'm talking about. How's that? The betrayers know. That's why... The betrayers know, and they're sitting there snickering and laughing. But you know something? What goes around comes around, and if you live by the sword, the sword will get shoved Mm. all the way up your ass so that it comes out your mouth. You'll be put on a spit. That's interesting. John, if you had to alchemize this Oh, we're going to alchemize this already? This is too much fun. It, we haven't you, even scratched the surface of I, betrayal. I, I really, I really... Well, let's give it 10 more minutes. Okay, let's go. I mean, <laughs> betrayal, I mean, you touched on some great examples there. I mean, and then you brought it, you know, personally, you know, think about work and these people that yeah. you trust on, you know, you're all in the same situation. But be, that might also encompass jealousy you know oh, the betrayal boy. what what starts the betrayal first that je- why would somebody betray a co-worker their jealousy is rampant in the workplace listen and rampant and, and, and you know what goes along with that whole issue of jealousy at, at the workplace it's all based in fear yes and fear is the opposite of love we said it again it's not hate it's fear so from fear the spokes of that wheel are like hate, jealousy, anger, trauma, you know, attack, war. It's the hub, the core of the core. You peel the layers of the of the stinky onion, mm-hmm. and the core is always fear. And people at work, I've had direct direct partner associates that feared me the moment I got to the institution day one at work they saw me as their competition mm. and deep down inside in the words of Larry Holmes I don't like I don't like how he used this comment because I think it was really ignorant Uh-oh. but in the words of Larry Holmes I would look at them and think you fool you can't hold my jock strap you cannot and in every instance the people that were fearful of me that ultimately over and over and over again disparaged me and scorned me and attacked me and betrayed me they all knew deep down inside they couldn't hold my jock strap they couldn't hold a candle to me they could never approach me even if even if they were surgeons of a different specialty I was I was attacked so viciously. I was literally called names. I was told that I was I was um, a disgrace. I was a disgrace to look at. Top doctor in New Jersey for years and years and years, and I was a disgrace, right? But yet I won all the awards. Mm. Mm. Betrayal. You know who Larry Holmes said that about? Yes, I do. Rocky Marciano. He's, he said it to Rocky Marciano's family at some, at some, you know, uh, boxing yeah. award dinner. Yeah. And I think, I bet, I think Larry Holmes is a good guy. And I'm actually Facebook friends with his son. Well, do you right? know I met him in Pennsylvania. Father? Larry Holmes, you know I wouldn't shake his hand. I left him hanging, oh. and I would not shake his hand because of that comment. I thought he was going to come across with a left. Because he stuck his right out, and I figured, well, I'll take one from the champ. Well, but I would not. I, who had a better was, jab than Larry Holmes? And no, I would have been his left. The guy was one of the greatest of all I, time. I, I think, honestly, you know, I I'm on that, and every interview that I, I've ever seen Larry Holmes make, 
I think that Larry Holmes is the real deal. I, that's I know that that's Evander Holyfield, right? Wasn't yeah, that yeah, his tagline? Yeah, yeah. But Larry Holmes, I think, was a a sweet man. I think he's a good man, and I think 100%. He, I think he lost his cool, yeah. you know, because he was closing in on that 49 and 0. He was this close, and then Mike Tyson knocked him out. Right? Well, he he. Mike Tyson wanted him bad because yeah, Holmes yeah. also disrespected Larry, uh, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Ali when they fought. I yeah, mean, he beat right. up an old Muhammad Ali, and that was Tyson's idol. Yeah. So when they fought, yes. Tyson yeah. was, he was like a bull anyway, but now he was really motivated. Yeah. And he, he took it to Larry. He actually says on interviews, and there's a, a video that's titled, you know, Tyson's Revenge. Mm. Again, you know, yeah. avenges, he avenges Ali against, against Larry Holmes. But you know, I don't, I don't hold that against Larry Holmes. I just think that he was, you know, many years younger, and it was very emotional for him. And, um, you know, uh, well, whatever. I mean, I think maybe, maybe he felt betrayed. Could be. I mean, you know, right? Yeah. Maybe, and maybe, maybe he somehow knew that he wasn't. He was going into the ring undefeated. And he knew before the event that he was going to come out of that ring with his first and only loss. Could be. Well, you know what the great ones, John? The great ones, they admit when other people are great as well. I mean, think of what, a, what a, kind of a man it would have boosted him to say, Rocky Marciano was not only one of the greats, he may have been the greatest. Who cares? Well, you know? I think for the day, you know... For, the smart, the smart fighters and the smart, you know, pundits and the boxing, you know, aficionados, the smart people understand that if you fought everybody that was anybody in your era and you beat them all, okay, I think, you know, that there were people who said, well, you know, he, he, he blew over a lot of, a lot of chumps, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, jelly donuts. You know, and and the big big fights, well, he was. You know, the other people were paid off to take a dive because the mob was involved. Guess what? The mob has always been involved. Quick story. Quick story. Um, I was working as a pediatric surgeon, and I um, had a consult on a kid, you know, who had some surgical issue, and I got kind of chummy with his dad, and his dad told me that he was. A government agent. I says, really? I says, what, you know, what, I was joking. I says, what's your specialty? What, what branch? He says, the fight game. And I was like, boing. And I went, seriously? I said, you mean boxing? He said, yeah. Mm -hmm. He goes, you think boxing was only corrupt in the 19th, you know, uh, 19, the, the turn of the century, sure. the 1920s, you know, Jack Johnson, Jack Dempsey, this one, that one. He goes, it's still that way. He goes, he goes, you know, he said to me, he goes, all of organized professional sports to a degree is fixed. He says, but boxing is just thick with it. Mm. And I was like, I was like, get the fuck out. Yeah. I just did not, I didn't suspect, you know, and it always makes me think, if you're going to fix a fight and it, and it fools most of the people, the participants, the combatants, the players, the teams, the hockey teams, the football teams, the baseball teams, the, you know, the, the, the flyweights, the bantamweights, the, the heavyweights, the super heavyweights, they got to be that good 
to pull it off and not make it look like it was a fix. There's a great story. I can't remember the boxer who said it. He was an old timer, but he was told to take a, you know, to take a dive. Okay. Yeah. And the guy he fought couldn't hurt a butterfly, he said, or couldn't punch his way out of a paper bag. So in the first round, they're going at it. He hits the guy, and the guy was ready to go down. He actually held the guy up <laughs> like, oh, no. Don't go down. Cause, cause, You'll kill me. Yeah, because the deal was made. You know, right. people had a lot of money running uh, running on this upset. And right. he actually held the guy up and danced with him for, like, the whole round until right. the round was over. And then, he, you know, the phantom punch. I mean, listen. Ali with Sonny Liston. I was just gonna. I was. I wasn't gonna let us get out of this. Wow. I know it's a rabbit hole on, yeah. on the topic of betrayal. Yeah. But you know, if you watch, you know what turned me on to the whole Sonny Liston plate was uh, Mark Knopfler. Remember the guy who sure. was the lead singer Dire for Straits. Dire Straits. Well, you know he's still out there doing his thing. He wrote a song. He produced. Wrote. Played, produced a song called Song for Sonny Liston. Have you ever heard it? No, no. In the car. Okay. I'll cue it up for you, you know, but listen to it in the car, mm. uh, you know, on your MP3 player, your cell phone. But it really tells the story about how Sonny Liston grew up, one of many, many kids on a farm, and his, I guess his father used to beat the shit out of him. Mm. And not long after Sonny was born, the mother took off. So there was, he was left bare and left to deal with this, this you know, a very abu- physically, emotionally abusive father. You know, and he came up through the streets and he was immediately in trouble. And then he realized that he was big and strong as an ox and fast, and he became the heavyweight champ of the world. But the boxing world shunned him. They didn't want him to be the face of professional boxing sure. because he would rather hang with the hoods and um, so who did they pick? They picked, you know, Cassius Clay, who could float like a butterfly and sting like a bee and talk like an attorney and talk like a poet. I mean, the guy was amazing. If you watch those two fights, Liston versus, I think it was, was he still, he was still Cassius Clay, yeah. I think, right? My personal opinion to boxing fans is that Sonny Liston took a dive and Mark Knopfler's song, Song for Sonny Liston, says he took a dive and then he couldn't get over it. So what 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 did he how did he Even, how did his life end? They found him on a bed in a hotel room with his feet on the floor and a needle in his arm. They even say said in death it was very suspicious how he died. Yeah. yeah. He either he either they either killed him or, or he killed himself. I don't know, but yeah. but given both of them, Sonny Liston was a killer, mm. and Ali was, you know, Ali was Ali. It was amazing, but I think that if they took the politics out of that first fight, I think Sonny Liston would have knocked Ali's block off. Whoa, I just do. Strong. I do. John, let's alchemize this episode. I really enjoyed this one. <laughs> okay, we went we went away from betrayal. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. could talk, yeah. for, you know, for ten episodes on betrayal. Yeah. And you know what? You you better bet your buppy, bet your ass that we could name times and dates and places and and people and names, but we can't do that. Mm. Do I freak? Here comes the alchemy. Mm. Betrayal. 
is a break in the trust, right? It's, it's taking that the concept of the root of all angst is unmet expectation. Betrayal, part and parcel to true betrayal is when you trust someone and the last thing you expect is, is, to, be, is to have the trust broken and a betrayal coming your way. Okay, sometimes you suspect, well, geez, maybe they might betray me. I hope not. Boom, they do. The one thing that we're called upon in this world uh, is to forgive. We are not called upon to forget. There's no way. So I would say forgive the people that you feel stabbed by. Forgive the people that you either believe or know betrayed you. I really mean that. Because if you can't forgive others, you're basically saying that you'll never forgive yourself. And why would the world afford you the, the privilege and the benefit of forgiving you for being the imperfect person that you are? Because all of us here in this third dimensional world are imperfect, including the queen, the queen and her gaggle of goons in Windsor Castle or wherever the hell they live. All of them, including their blackbird, the blackbirds that have to be cared for, otherwise the monarchy falls, right? <clears throat> We've got to forgive them because they are the kings and the queens of traitors. Traitors not to the not to the British people alone, but to the world. They've betrayed the world. They've set everybody up like the thieves that they've been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And you know something, people, when a family, I'm going off down a rabbit hole again. Here we are. When, when a family changes their surname, there's a reason for that. It's called misdirection. It's called a lie and a feint and a slant. And people who are looking to hoodwink and betray others are typically those who change their surname. So back to forgiveness, people. We're going to forgive the people that betray us, but hold them accountable. What's the expression? Hold their feet to the fire? Yes. Right? Yes. Hold their feet to the fire. Do I think, do I think Anthony Fauci has betrayed humanity? No, I don't think that at all. I know it. And you know something? I'd love to make a bonfire and get those coals glowing orange hot and hold that little rat-faced bastard's feet to the fire. Hmm. Yeah. And Bill Gates. And Klaus Schwab. Hmm. And George Soros. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would, you know. And um, But holding their feet to the fire doesn't necessarily mean an attack. It means atonement. It's, I would say, it's a blessing. We're giving the guilty a chance to atone before they pass. Because if they pass and they know they haven't atoned, you know, then they're going to come back. They're going to go back into the wheel of karma and come right back again to see if they can uh, get by their faults. And that's true for all of us. So holding, holding the traitors and the people that betray you accountable 
I think is a service to them, and I'm not being facetious. I'm being dead serious. So forgive the people that are your assailants. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Quick story. I know we're going over time here. I, my first book on, my second book on the afterlife, the first book was uh, Embraced by the Light by Betty Eady. I read that when it first came out, and I was, oh, my God. The second book, While My Sister Was Dying, was a book by George Anderson simply called We Don't Die. And there was a story, an excerpt in that book. It was either the first book or the second book about a little girl who was walking home from school. I don't know how old she was. Maybe she was eight years old. And some, you know, vagrant, roused about, nefarious, whatever, abducted her on the way home from school and apparently raped her and strangled her to death, killed her. And and he was he was apprehended. And the father uh, pledged, swore revenge that the, the legal system wasn't going to cut it, that he was going to strangle this guy to death, you know, torture him, all the things that human beings think. And he, um, the father ended up seeing George Anderson, who was a medium, and, of course, his deceased daughter came through. And she says, no, 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 Daddy. No, no. No, you cannot do this. This is just its spiritual bait. You have to forgive him. You know, you don't, no one's asking you or expecting you to forget, but I'm okay. This was all basically a setup. This was a play to test you, to test you in the strongest way. Daddy, please, I love you. Please forgive this man and just let it be. And I never forgot that. I never forgot wow, that. So it, it is powerful it's from powerful. an eight-year-old, the eight-year-old girl that was his mm -hmm. daughter. But the point was the whole happenstance, you know, she agreed to be his daughter. She agreed to her own murder as a benefit and an offering to her father. That's how much she loved her father, that we have to get him out of this, this recurring karmic cycle, this wheel that he's ensnared in. And, um, well, thank God that George Anderson was there. He is a, an amazing psychic. I saw him in, in person, a, an amazing medium. Anyway, wow. so forgiveness, people. Forgiveness is so, so, so important. Uh, you're not going to escape the karmic wheel without passing the test of forgiveness. Great job, Amen. Amen. Well, well said, as usual. People, thank you for joining us on the Jersey Alchemist. If you like what we're doing, press follow and subscribe. I love when he says for that. For God's sake, subscribe. For the love of Pete, subscribe. Thank you for watching. Until next time, peace.